he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you for taking time to join us as we take time to learn from God's Word together. The message you are about to hear comes from the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene in Cape Elizabeth, Maine. Listen to more sermons or learn more about the church at our website, capenazarene.org. I'm sure that every time you have a guest preacher come, they pull out a big easel like that. Or maybe not, huh? (laughs) Well, I have a message on discipleship by the title of Interested or Committed. I think I preached it here, but I really don't remember. And uh, so I looked at my notes, and it said I didn't, but I didn't trust my notes. So anyway, there's a key sentence in that particular sermon that says, there's no such thing as being a Christian without being a disciple. Now that's worthy of a lot of discussion, that we don't have time for that right now. Anyway, I concluded that message this way. So you're going to get two sermons for the price of one here this morning. Anyway, interest, interest in Jesus is good because that's where we all start. But that's not enough because interest alone will never change anything. Then we said that commitment to Jesus is good, but commitment might be motivated by fear or legalism or even selfish desires. So commitment all by itself, that's not enough either. What Jesus desires from us as his followers is loving commitment. Loving commitment. So you say, well, what's that? Well, in an ideal world, loving commitment is illustrated by the love of a husband and a wife, by the husband of parent for a child, a grandparent for a grandchild. So Think of the best scenario you can there, and you're going to understand loving commitment. All right. So, I don't know if I preached that or not, and you wouldn't remember all of it anyway. So, anyway, our approach today is going to be a little bit different, because today uh, I'm going to ask a question, and I want you to actually answer it. You know, it's not one of those questions that I want you to just sit there and think about it. I want you to actually answer this one. And the good news about this particular question is there's no wrong answer, okay? So so you can can give your answers, and it's not going to be wrong, because it's just what goes on in your life. So here's the question. Here it is. What way or ways have helped you experience God, know Him, and understand Him better? Okay, I'll repeat that. What way or ways has helped you experience God, know Him, and understand Him better? Another way to say the same thing, sort of, is what ways have helped you grow in your relationship with God as His disciple? What ways have helped you grow in your relationship with Him as His disciple? Okay? Now, for my infamous easel. Now you get to answer. If I catch on fire here, come help me out, okay? I'll try to avoid doing that. <laughs> yeah, Tim's not here. <laughs> Tim the fireman. Okay, so here you go. All right, you shout them out, and I'm going to write them down. Go ahead. 
What way or ways has helped you experience God, know Him, and understand Him better? Okay. What else? Scripture. What else? I spelled that wrong, don't tell anybody. Okay, what else? Answered prayer. Okay. What else? Hymns. Hymns. Okay. So we'll just put music in general with that. Okay. Community. Okay. What else has helped you? Did you say having children? Having children. Yep. I, I just wanted to make sure I understood it. I'm going to say kids, that's shorter. Grandchildren. Okay. What else? Medical help. Did somebody say medical help? Yeah. Health issues, right? Good. Anything else, or does that, does that all look good to you? Creation. Creation. Yeah, kind of expected that one. For some people, that might be a walk in the woods, a walk on the beach, getting to see a beautiful part of the country or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I tell my ministry partner, he's like my oldest daughter. They're, they're both good for my prayer life because they have a lot of those. All right. That's a good list. We'll, we'll stop there. I'm, I, if, if I just waited and kept waiting, you would think of some other things that uh, in your life you have experienced that's helped you to grow in your walk and in your relationship with Jesus. And they're not, if you look at these, they're not all positives. At least that's not what we would say right off the top, that they're not all positives. But some, some of the things, of course, that bring us... Uh, closest to the Lord are frankly what most people would say are negatives. But, but God uses them. And, and that's very, very interesting. Okay, you, you've got a great list here. But you haven't stated the one that I'm going to preach on. And so, don't feel badly about that. Not that you would anyway. However, this is the fourth time I've preached this sermon in the, in the four different churches. And so far, not one church has got it. Not one. And, it, and it's, I know why it is, 
because it's just, I don't know that I've ever heard it preached, frankly. And when I write it, you're going to say, well, yeah, of course that's true, and it relates to a lot of the others. Of course, a lot, a lot of these are intertwined. So here's, here's what I'm going to preach on that, that helps us grow in our relationship with God. Obedience, doing what God asks us to do. Our text today is John chapter 14, verses 15 to 24, and our key verse is verse 21, and the larger context of that is chapters 13 to 17 in the Gospel of John, and of course the whole Gospel of John. Now, We're not going to read four chapters of Scripture this morning, uh, but I I do want us to read John 14, 15 to 24. And so here we go. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So there it is. Now again, the context of this is from 13 to 17. And in John 13, it's the famous text where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Then as we get into Chapter 14, we, we also have some familiar scripture uh, to most of you probably. And if not familiar to you, it's a, it's a great text to get into. But here we see that Jesus says that he's going to go away, but he says, trust him. Then he proclaims a very famous verse where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says that seeing him is actually seeing the Father. If you want to know who God is, he says, look at me. And then he invites us to ask for anything in his name, which is also a whole sermon. All of these are all sermons. You know, what's it mean to ask in his name? Then we get to the scripture that we read just now, and our key verse is verse 21. 
Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So I looked this verse up in uh, ten different translations. That's how many I had in my house. And I decided I wasn't going to go to the internet and find others. And a lot of you probably have five, ten, fifteen translations of the Bible in your house, too. But I looked up this verse, and the very last phrase, Jesus says, he'll sh- he says, I will show myself to him. And that's the NIV. Uh, three different verses, uh, translations, excuse me, said, I will reveal myself to him. Two translations says, I will manifest myself to him. One said, I will make myself known to him. Another one said, I will make myself plain to him. Another said, I will make myself real to him. And the tenth said, I will disclose myself to him. They're all saying the same thing. Slightly different words that would conjure up maybe slightly different ideas in your mind. But every translation is really clear. If I know what God desires, what God expects, in other words, his commands, and I obey what he is asking of me, this is a demonstration of my love to him. And as I love Jesus, he makes himself known to me. I love him, which is demonstrated by my obedience, and he makes himself known to me. So, if you want to know Jesus better, do what he asks you to. Now, I could stop the sermon right there, but since I'm a pastor and a preacher, I'm not going to. So. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's the heart of it today. That's the heart of it. So, talk about obedience, about what we do, however, causes some people to get a little bit nervous. Well, why do they get nervous? Well, some people get nervous when we talk this way because they're concerned that we're moving into that territory of where we're saved by doing, we say we're saved by doing what we do. Uh, No. Uh, That is not what we're saying. So please don't hear what I'm not saying. Okay? I'm not saying that. If you, if I, have a relationship with God, it's because of God's grace. At the same time, God's grace is about far more than just forgiving us. God's grace empowers us to live victoriously over sin, to live obediently to the callings of God. So a good prayer always is, Lord, give me the grace to do what you are showing me to do. There's different ways to pray that prayer, but using grace language, we say, Lord, give Give me the grace. Give us as a church the grace to do what you are showing us to do. All right. Now, the Gospel of John is full of grace. But to my knowledge, I didn't read it all and double check everything, but to my knowledge, he doesn't use the term. So the Gospel of John is full of the idea of grace, but he doesn't use the term. His language is all about love. It's all about love. So he calls us, he calls his disciples to a life of love. 
And that's what the scripture we read about, read today, is all about. It's what our key verse is all about, verse 21. You know, if you obey me, you will obey me if you love me. And he goes on to say, and if you don't obey me, then you don't love me. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry, frankly. So, that being the case, we obey him because we love him. And that takes us into a deeper and deeper walk with him. Now, if we're seeking to gain favor with God by our obedience, then that's not trusting him or loving him. That's trying to earn our relationship with him. Okay, so if we say in our minds and our hearts, if we say, well, if I just do this, then God will love me. Or if I just do this, then God will save me. See, that's, that's trying to earn it. But when we do obey because we love him, that's, that's a great response. We're responding to God's grace. We're responding to his love. And therefore, that obedience is a demonstration of our relationship with God. Now, we can get all caught up in motivation here. Am I, am I really doing it for the right reasons and everything? And I, I struggled with that a lot when I was younger. And finally, I just came to the place, you know, God, I'm just going to do what's right. And if my motives are wrong, straighten me out. Because I, could, I would drive myself crazy about whether I had the right motivation or not. But, Lord, you, you straighten me out. You give me your grace. If I'm not doing this all for the right reasons, you, you help me. I mean, you can lead singing and preach for the wrong reasons. But you're going to stop just because you're, you're not sure about that? If God wants you to do it, do it. Now, here's the truth. I'm going to say it twice and let you think on it, see if you agree with it or not. We can obey God without loving Him, but we can't love God without obeying Him. We can obey God without loving Him, but we cannot love God without obeying Him. Doesn't make sense. Now, possibly you've heard about the child who told his mother these famous words. If you haven't heard it, here you go. I'm obeying you on the outside, but I'm not obeying you on the inside. <laughs> Ever hear that one? Uh, that's a really unhappy kind of obedience, isn't it? And God doesn't want that of us. That's not what he wants for us. Uh, so, as you can tell, I, I believe that the Bible, the scriptures, very clearly that the genuine disciple seeks to obey the Lord. Do they do it perfectly? Well, I've never met anybody who did it perfectly, frankly. But this quote is an interesting one from a man named Spurgeon, Haddon Spurgeon. He says, true love shows itself by seeking to please the one who is loved. So, I ask myself, well, am I seeking to please the Lord? And how about you? Are you seeking to please the Lord? And a, a good way to look at that, maybe another good question is, am I moving in the right direction? Am I moving in the right direction? Sometimes we can be moving in the right direction and, and still somehow mess up in a, in a moment of weakness or whatever. 
Sometimes we just mess up, and we didn't even do it on purpose. We just mess up, and that's that's not sin in the in the in the sense of I'm responsible or I'm culpable, but it is, hey, I still have to make it right. But what do I do if I do mess up? What do I do if I do fall down? Well, I ask the Lord to pick me up. Pick me up and help me keep going in the right direction. I don't have to go back. I just get up where I am and I move forward by God's grace and with his help. That's called repentance in the Bible. And sometimes, again, when we think about repentance, we think, well, that, that's what I do. Um, I'm sorry for my sin. I ask God to forgive me on my sin, so I repent of my sin. I want to quit sinning, and I want to f- follow Jesus. And that, that's very true, and in the Bible, it's often probably spoken of that word repentance is used more that way than any other. But repentance is really an attitude at, that says any time that I start moving in, in the wrong direction, I want to turn around and I want to go in the right direction. It's an attitude as well as an action. Now, our key verse is, is encouraging because it also says this, whoever has my commands. Now, nobody, especially younger Christians, understands all the commands of Scripture. That's more so today than, than it has been in, in a long, long time. Now, because I'm in my 70s, I grew up in a time where going to church was kind of the thing to do, and the culture kind of agreed with what the Bible said about most things. Today, that's not true. Our young people today, by young I mean 40 or 50 and under, have not grown up in a context where it's just where everybody goes to church and where everybody tends to agree with the Bible, whether they knew it came from the Bible or not. And so lots of times, they don't even know what the Bible says. So as we work with people who do not have biblical knowledge, but they come, they're interested in Jesus, they come to Jesus, they, they might not have a clue what the Bible has to say. And it's going to take them a while. They need to be, be obedient to what God shows them, but they're not going to know a lot of stuff. And so we have to be patient. And we have to help them see what the scripture says. They're not going to know everything. Now, of course, we're all responsible to seek to know and seek to learn. And that's what we seek to do. Now, the only direct command in John chapter 14, since we're talking about commands, is trust in God, trust also in me. Now, I don't know that I've ever met anybody that didn't have any trust issues. I mean, it's just kind of the thing to have a few trust issues. Some people have more than others. Uh, and, and this command is kind of, it's a little vague and a little general exactly what it means. It'll take some time to figure that all out. But if you do have trust issues, here's, here's the prayer I would su- suggest you pray. Lord, I got trust issues. Help me trust you. <laughs> help me, help me, help me to learn. Help me to get it. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to say, God zapped me? Well, he might, but probably not. So, Lord, I got some trust issues. Help me. Okay. Now, since that's uh, true, I wanted to go back to chapter 13 for just a couple of other commands. There's uh, two or three 
in John 13, depending on how you, how you read it. But uh, there we're told to, uh, we're, we're shown that he washed the disciples' feet and he said, do as I have done for you. So I'm, I'm calling that one command. Uh, washing his feet, do as I have done for you. And then the other command he has is love one another. So, let's, uh, let's just say a few words about uh, washing the disciples' feet. What did he do here? Well, he served them. He took the place of a servant. And that servant was the, low, the lowliest position of a servant. And it was usually given to a woman. You know, back then... Men were up here and women were down here 2,000 years ago. That's just the way it was. And so that was a lowly servant position, so it was given to a woman. And everybody wore sandals back there and they walked around in the dust or the mud or the whatever. So when they got to the home, there was someone there to wash the feet because sandals didn't do a real good job of keeping off the dust and the mud. So that's what they did. So should we wash one another's feet? Well, some people say we should. Should we serve one another? Well, I think everybody says we should. I've never gone to a a church that, that said otherwise. So every church basically believes and preaches and teaches that we're to serve one another. And Christ-like service is first an attitude. I embrace that attitude, or I don't. And it's a specific act of service, as God shows us. Now, here's here's what we need to understand about a lot of the the commands in Scripture that are a little more general, like serve one another, love one another. We can't do it all. We need clarity to know how God wants us to respond. So, for example, we have a church here. Not a huge church, but can you do everything that needs to be done in the life of this church? No, you couldn't. So God is asking you to serve, let's say, in the context of this church family. Well, you can't do everything, but what is it that God is asking you to do? Okay, let's expand it to the community. Now there's even more possibilities to serve. Can you do everything? that needs to be done in Cape Elizabeth or whatever community you live in? Of course you can't. So what is it that God wants you to do? So there's all kinds of opportunities, but we have limitations. We have limitations. So we have to say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Plus we have to have a spirit of servanthood. So possibly you're in the grocery store. And you see somebody like me going something like this. Now, if you happen to be one of the taller people here, you could serve me by getting that item that I can't reach. And if you're like me, you're one of the people that can't reach. But having that spirit, I I preached this sermon uh, up in Millnocket, Maine, and a lady down here, she's in her 80s, and she reached out, she says, yes, that was true. And then they put something way down. Now I can't get down there either. <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Her illustration was twice as good as mine. Uh, but uh, anyhow, 
so some of us who are shorter, maybe we can get down a little easier. So anyway, defining love is really seeking what's best. Well, this is how I do it. Defining, I define love, seeking what's best for the other person, for the other family, for the other group. We seek what's best for them. And this requires wisdom uh, as we seek to do what's best and pursue what's best for them. And hopefully the other person or the other group agrees that's what's best for them, but that's not always the case. It's not always the case. I don't know too many kids when they ask for cookies from the cookie jar and you say no because it's dinner time in half an hour, they're not usually real pleased. Thank you for caring for my nutrition. They, they don't go there. They don't go there. I mean, that's a simple little thing. Uh, but there are other things, bigger things, especially where people disagree with God's word and we're seeking to do what's best. They don't like it. I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities out there. But in our hearts, we need to ask God, help us to love, to seek what is best for the other person. And that's, that always means respecting them and, and uh, being Jesus to them. Doesn't mean we agree with them, but we seek to be Jesus to them. Well, anyway, there, there are some things that are just plain right and wrong. We know that. I'm not going to try to even get into a list because, you know, which ones do you pick and not pick? You know what some of those are, and you can act on those. Okay. In the end, I trust and hope that the desire, our desire, is to simply be disciples of Jesus, to follow him, to be like him. You probably agree with this, you might not, but the term Christian has got kind of iffy in our culture, and, and that's too bad, but... So I, I don't get asked, hardly ever, but if I, if I do get asked, I don't say I'm a Christian. I say I'm a follower of Jesus. So I, I, wanna, I just want to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, hopefully that, they understand that a little bit better, and the media hasn't messed that one up yet, I don't think. Now, a verse that we didn't read today, and you can look at it later, but it's also in chapter 14. As you get to the very last verse of chapter 14, you get to verse 31. And here's how Jesus wraps up that cha- uh, what we call that chapter. I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. That's what Jesus says. I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So, you want to be like Jesus? Do exactly what the Father commands you. You know, be obedient. It isn't always easy to know. I, we understand that. But once we, once we get it, then we respond obediently. Now, many years ago, I heard Bob Logan, who you don't know who Bob Logan is, but I heard him say, we are educated far beyond our obedience. Now that bothered me when I heard it, and it still bothers me today. So, I heard the report of one pastor who recognized this as a real problem, and and he decided to handle it in his own special way. He was at a brand new church, and he preached his very first sermon. And all went well. Then the next week, 
he preached again, only he preached the exact same sermon. And the people were kind of scratching their heads, but he was new and he was inexperienced, and they said, okay. Week three, he preached the same sermon. Week four, he preached the same sermon. Week five, he preached the same sermon. So finally, the uh, powers that be got together and said, what's going on? And they, and they went to the pastor and said, what's going on? You preached the same sermon five weeks in a row. He says, well, it's very simple. When you get that one and start acting on it, I'll preach another one. I don't think that's a true story, but you get the point. You get the point. Well, let's wrap it up. Obedience doesn't earn you a relationship with God. But obedience pleases God. Obedience demonstrates love for God. And obedience leads to a deeper understanding of God. And that's just not head knowledge. That's experiential, relational knowledge. So, are you struggling with something God is asking you to do? Well, if you are, don't get discouraged because it's not that unusual for someone to struggle a little bit with what God is asking them to do. Especially if it's kind of taken them in a direction they've never gone or they think is new to them. So, I think all of us would have to admit we've struggled at one time or another If we're not struggling right now, we've all struggled at one time or another. So, don't get derailed. What do you do? Well, here's the good news. If you are struggling, you have a great pastor. He's coming home today. He's going to be around uh, starting tomorrow. You have one another. And a lot of you, I'm guessing, are pretty mature Christians. And, of course, most importantly, you have a great God. And you can bring your struggles to God. Always start there. You can bring them to your pastor. And you can bring them to one another. Whoever you're maybe closest to in the life of this church and trust the most. You can bring those struggles. You don't have to pretend they're not there. And God will help you to get to that place of full obedience. And as you obey, you will draw closer to him. Because the scripture is really clear that as I obey, he makes himself known to me. Ah, I get it now. That's a great, great thing to know and understand and of course, to act upon. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week.